today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Joining us now for the weekly Tech Talk segment is Adam Oldfield, President and CEO of FPM3 and Vacuum and Furnace and Duck Cleaning. Adam, how are you? You know what? I'm doing extremely well, Rick. I mean, it's getting warmer, and that brings on so many new warm feels. It's nice to see sunshine. I feel like I've been in that doom and gloom environment, but a little bit of vitamin D has just kind of perked me up a little bit and got me a little excited about just life in general, you know? Happy to hear this should be an action-packed 30 minutes. Uh, Not to say that previous episodes have not been, but let's dive into it. Uh, And uh, you're telling us that uh, there's going to be a social media e-commerce explosion. Talk about the mushroom cloud coming up. Well, yeah, if you've noticed in your Facebook feeds, your Instagram feeds, or if you're into TikTok and all and Pinterest and many other social medias, you probably have noticed, and there's two sides of this explosion, by the way, Rick, is that there's a lot of ads that are coming up and uh, it kind of like ties into all the changes that are happening right now within social media. But you see these sponsored ads and you're rolling through your feed and scrolling, scrolling, and you see these ads come up. Well, they are really starting to take off and to the degree that it's really justifying a lot of where e-commerce is coming from and from that one of the things is through instagram or facebook uh, the revenue generated has now instigated a partnership, one that is with a Canadian company, if you've heard of Shopify, um, very well known out of Waterloo and proudly another great con- company. And I knock on wood with the trust that Shopify stays Canadian, but it partnered with TikTok. And this is uh, this is why it's so big is the fact that, Rick, you know, back under the Trump administration, they were really pushing for the ban of TikTok. Well, now that the Biden administration, they've really lowered the pressure on the TikTok ban and all the other elements that go with it. Well, now all of these social media systems are going, well, time to ante up a little bit, tie into those programs of uh, advertising within social media. So TikTok's on board, Pinterest is on board, Facebook, all of them are going to be really ramping up that e-commerce where you'll be able to surf, uh, shop, when you see someone profiling, they're going to be able to highlight those products are available for sale. But I say this with experience and I say it with knowledge. Be very, very careful when you purchase from Facebook. I can't begin to tell you how many stories I hear of people buying things that go, that looks amazing. And then, you know, you think you're buying a putting set to perfect your next golf game, and it comes in a cardboard box, and somebody drew with crown a little putting hole, and you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I paid $60 for this. So there's a lot of scams going on with the e-commerce side. So as much as it's exploding and it's really going to be ramping up in all of the channels that are available, I really, really say with a a bit of trepidation, don't go getting excited. Half the things you're going to be looking at in those social medias uh, when it comes to sales, they could be a bit of a joke. Yes, buyer beware certainly uh, should be the uh, the norm whenever shopping uh, for, for anything online, really. Um, one of the pet peeves uh, for any cell phone owner would be battery life, but there's a new development. Tell us about it. Well, there is research that's been done, and we've been looking for the universal solution to battery life. And, and when we talk about this, there's two elements. One, uh, what kind of materials do we use for battery, which we know that there's lithium and there's a lot of other future developments of materials that we'll be working with. 
However, this is really cool. They just got this new research development that they can create an electrical charge using the human body. So as our bodies are technically uh, an electromagnetic uh, generator through our body heat, they've created devices now that through our body heat, it is capable of charging your wearable devices, whether it's, uh, and think of it as almost like wearing a little wire around your finger, like a ring, a bracelet, uh, an anklet. Um, you know, when, you, when we talk about all of these devices, we wear smartware. Now when you're moving that kinetic energy and that thermoelectric energy or body heat is capable of charging 100 watts per hour. Now, that's not a lot, to be honest, Rick. I mean, 100 watts isn't quite a bit, but 100 watts over a period of time is really, it turns into a kilowatt. So when we look at this, this is a chance where we don't, maybe, I shouldn't say we don't, we will in the future uh, be able to buy a smart device uh, and our body heat through a ring, a race, uh, as I mentioned, a, a bracelet or otherwise, will generate enough energy that it could charge our devices. So, you know, we'll be walking around with battery packs around our waist and if you need to get a quicker charge, all you got to do is go for a jog or a run. And this, uh, this is a new recycled way that we'd be able to help generate more renewable energy. Who knew our bodies were nothing but a bunch of lithium-ion packs? I, I'm envisioning people, because I think most people, if they're like me, charge their devices at night or while they're sleeping. Uh, some people might be sleeping with their devices just to ch charge them up. I'm just envisioning that uh, dichotomy. Um, ever wonder that websites are actually reaching out to Google, Facebook, Microsoft, or Amazon? What's going on here? Well, if we search the internet for anything out there, and there's a lot of things we keep hearing in this Senate right now with pertaining to how is, and again, those specific four you just mentioned, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and Amazon are very big companies. They're corporate goliaths. Each one serves a unique purpose in their, uh, in the internet technology, uh, ecosphere. But there's a plugin you can get for your browser, and what you can do is actually turn it on where it will shut off the website or warn you that the website you're on, it's, it's like a big tech detective is what it's referred to as, and this will stop you from seeing any of the content that is coming up on the website. So it will advise you to say, uh, this is going to Google, this is going to Facebook, this is going to Microsoft or Amazon. I tried this, Rick, and I can tell you that I even worked with DuckDuckGo, which is supposed to be a website that, you know, doesn't track me or follow me or keep a history of what I do. Um, however, it's a it's mind-blowing how many websites you can't visit without one of those four corporations getting a little bit of information from you. So, and that's coming from when they, they uh, uh, put a little bit of a, a trickle in there, meaning a pixel that maybe has advertising, maybe an analytic, Facebook ads, uh, whatever. It, it's, it's amazing. Those four could pretty much block you from surfing any website if you wanted this on. And it's a big answer to the question Question, uh, who is getting this information when we surf online? Well, we do know it's those four, and this little plugin was more of a, it was more of a test exercise that was developed to prove that these four corporations are truly uh, dominating your information whenever you visit online any website. 
It's our weekly Tech Talk segment. Adam Oldfield joining us, president and CEO of FPM3 in Vacuum and Furnace and Duct Cleaning. Uh, earlier this week, I was listening to the Scott Radley show on CHML, weeknights uh, 6 to 8, by the way, uh, and he was talking to a uh, professor, a researcher from the Stanford University about Zoom fatigue. This is a real thing. This is a massive thing. And, you know, I've been having a lot of meetings, Rick. Now, I'm a technology guy. i got six monitors, and I've got either a Zoom meeting, a Teams meeting, a Google Meet meeting, and they're usually all going on at the same time. So I just kind of mute each one and kind of lead to the next. Well, there comes a point where many people have been talking about Zoom fatigue, and the fact of the matter is it is existing. It does exist. So I thought I would just compound it into three things. If you're finding that you're on Zoom and you're really exhausted, there's reasons for that. And this main reason, and I could testify that this is true, is that you're, you're, you're on these Zoom meetings or you're doing a presentation or you're speaking to a group. Everyone's looking at you all the time versus sitting in a room or in a boardroom and they're all kind of like eyes are wandering, you know, they're getting distracted, uh, picking their ear or whatever, they drop their pen. Um, this is where everyone's watching you at all times. And that's, that's a lot of pressure. That's like, you know, kind of giving you a lot of uh, intense intensity of everyone looking at you. The following one is there's a lot of video and audio. So when we talk about this and we're talking about those verbal cues, you can sort of necessarily hear them. But, you know, when you're in the room, you can watch body language much better than you can in a case of a Zoom. And the last one is, you know, I think I'm a good looking dude. I'm not going to lie, Rick. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I slip this hair back and I say, well done, Adam. You're at the age where you should be losing it, but you still got it. Hashtag and handsome. Elvis himself. <laughs> So I feel good, but this is a serious issue. This is one of the number one areas. People looking at themselves in a mirror all day. Um, most of us aren't that uh, narcissist, you know, in, into that into themselves that much. But this is exhausting when you're watching yourself constantly. You find that your eyes are drawn to yourself. So if you're using Zoom or any kind of video, keep in mind that try to turn off the video. Make sure that you turn off your uh, video camera so you're not watching yourself so much. And I guess you've got to use the picturesque idea that imagine nobody's in the room and you're just kind of talking to a bunch of mannequins. Otherwise, it's just going to exhaust you and, and knock you on your feet. <laughs> uh, there's a new app for travelers, this is pretty cool, that can manage their COVID-19 test and vaccine certifications. Yeah, this is coming out, and it needs approval, obviously, by governments. This is a body of the International uh, Air Transit Association, the IATA, and it's a travel pass. And it's still got to go through a process, which is an association of 290 airlines, Rick. Um, and it's free to download, and it's going to be used and primarily probably going to be necessary when the uh, borders get reopened and the world is about to fly again uh, without the need of quarantine. Of course, what's in this app and why? Why would I download it? Well, it's a global registry of health requirements. So many questions right now is, can I fly to this country? Uh, we know the rules, what the government's doing right now in Canada with regards to coming back into the country. But what, it, what is it like when you want to travel? So say you want to go to Mexico, you want to go to Florida, or even across to Europe. Well, there's a global registry of health requirements that you can see in this app. It will tell you what is required for those destinations. So it will advise if you're going to, uh, if you're coming into Canada, it will advise you that you're going to be locked into a hotel. This is the process. This is uh, for quarantine. You're 
you're going to need to be able to justify where you got to stay. The second part is, is this global registry has testing and vaccinations before their departure. So travelers will be able to determine or even access where to get a test or what type of test each of the countries require. Again, in the news, you keep hearing about people coming in and they're determining that they didn't get the right COVID test or the test they took wasn't accepted by that country. So this is another ballot. The other one is authorized labs and test centers. It will give those certificates for passengers. So when you get it, it will be loaded into your app. It, it will open with your biometric information. And the last one is that digital identity for that contactless travel. This came prior to COVID. This is where you would walk to the airport, show your uh, QR code, they'd scan it and you'd be able to get on to the plane. This removes the passport portion. It's all in this app. So trusting that in the next year, Rick, we'll be able to open up the borders, travel once again. It's called uh, the IATA Travel Pass. And this, hopefully, when it's agreed to by international governments, will be the solution for how we can travel again. That's very cool. Not so cool is the latest hack of the week. <laughs> you know, I... I, I I, I say this with a tongue in cheek and it's actually become a thing now. And it's almost, I hate to say this, this is horrible, but yeah, we do have a hack of the week. And unfortunately it goes to Bombardier, man, they are getting absolutely decimated right now in the media pertaining to their layoffs and otherwise, but they had a security breach and it's a biggie because the confidential information that was released included employees, customers, suppliers. Anyway, basically the back end of the back of the data that they got was from a third party transfer for applications. So meaning like a Dropbox, not necessarily that program, but uh, a file transfer. Third-party software always comes with options of concerns when it comes to infiltration from cyber hackers. This is one of them. So unfortunately, on top of all the news with Bombardier, they got a pretty big, serious uh, cybersecurity breach, and they get the hack of the week. Ouch. From the hack of the week to paying ransom to hackers. What's happening here? Well, the city of <clears throat> St. John City right now is actually standing ground, and I have to applaud them. This is very bold. We've seen right now where hackers are going in and they're infiltrating municipalities, government agencies, and they lock down the data, and what they do is they use this as a, as a ransom, knowing that governments have a bit of a pot of money or insurance companies are going to cover it. This uh, St. John City will be able to deny now the ransom. They've actually, over a year ago, they got infiltrated, they locked down their data, and what they said is, you know what, we're going to stand our ground and we're going to not pay these ransoms that are being required by the hackers. Uh, the municipality is coming forth with the fact that everything that they've encrypted, they were able to use an offsite backup with most of it being now uh, re-uploaded. Re so kudos to that city. And I say this with hope that the city of Hamilton is doing the same, that they're able to, in the case of infiltration, be able to uh, turn down the those requests from ransomware elements and the best way to do that and i say this each week on bill's show is the fact that change your password guys <laughs> don't make it easy you got to make sure you really up your game when it comes to passwords especially if you're working for the government or a public office yes not just upper and lower case you got to get all those symbols in there as well <laughs> uh we'll end it with uh, some covid19 talk and some wearable contact tracing tech what's happening this is pretty cool
cool, but I have to say it's interesting from a degree of how the government is investing their money. Um, 2.5 million is going into a wearable contact technology. It's a tracing uh, amu- uh, bracelet that can be used to advise or buzz, gives you a little bit of a jolt. Think of it as somebody hitting you with a cattle prodder um, when you walk within six feet of your coworker. Um, so it's more of a, an element of giving you a warning of when you're not within uh, those two meters from your coworker, but uh, it's getting a lot of backlash, Rick. Right now on social media, which is really extensive, they're claiming that Canada didn't really take or adapt to that COVID app that they released. And there was a lot of question about security and where's the data? What are you doing with the data? How is this data uh, being used? Well, this device that the government, the Ontario government's investing in is going to be utilized with a lot of corporations, especially where staff are required to come back to the office and be within uh, close contact, like an airport, possibly restaurants. Um, And what happens is the device, should you come into contact with anyone with COVID or anyone with a COVID uh, element, you get diagnosed with that. What it does is it knows who you've been near. So the bracelet itself is like the app. It says you've been around these individuals. These individuals, we don't know who they are. But what happens is if someone does come down with COVID, it then goes into a system and anyone with that bracelet can be notified that, hey, you've been in contact with someone with COVID. You might need a quarantine. You might need to lock down and get yourself uh, checked. So with that said, it's uh, it's a good thing, honestly, Rick. I, I look at that and kind of go, it's a good investment from the Ontario government. However, is it really necessary when we already had a solution to this? It's That's where the backlash is coming from. Great update on the latest uh, technology in gadgetry from around the world from the extremely handsome Adam Oldfield. Adam, <laughs> thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rick. Have a great weekend. You too. Adam Oldfield is the president and CEO of FPM3 and uh, Vacuum and Furnace and Duck Cleaning. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.